The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I am truly excited to have my next guest on the show. His name is Derek Tulloch, and he is an elementary school counselor, professor, and author of Brick-Based Counseling and maintains the school counselor resource, brickcounselor.com. He is a school counselor in the Seattle area at the... Enumclaw School District. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Enumclaw, yeah. <laughs> and also teaches a variety of courses at City University of Seattle in the Professional School of Counseling Graduate Degree Program. He is a National Board Certified Teacher and completed his Master's in Education and Guidance and Counseling from City University of Seattle. And his BA is in Linguistics from Western Washington University. Derek is passionate about incorporating play-based learning strategies and loves using Lego materials in his work as a school counselor. Outside of school counseling, he is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, enjoys traveling and learning Japanese. He lives in Enumclaw, Washington, with his wife, Aya, and their two children, Walter and Ileana. Welcome, Derek. Thank you so much, Rena. I appreciate you inviting me to be a guest on your show today. I'm excited to have you and to talk about um, the work that you've been doing using bricks and um, social-emotional learning with children. So excited. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I do have a new book that's out, um, available from Youth Light, and it's called Brick-Based Counseling, and it's all about ways to use Lego materials in your counseling work with students or, or clients. So, um, so it's pretty exciting, and um, something that I've been developing for the last several years in my role as an elementary school counselor, and um, something that I shared a lot about in some of my group counseling classes at the university. And um, a lot of my students were always very interested in that and said, hey, where did you learn about this? And like, what resources are out there on that? And so they were the ones that really encouraged me to write a book about it because, you know, it was something that I really started developing on my own with mm -hmm. my own unique approach to, to incorporating the Lego materials to kind of get students more engaged and um, provide a more hands-on counseling experience. And uh, um, so a lot of people were expressing interest in that and um, really encouraged me to share my ideas. And so with that, I decided to submit a proposal to Youthlight and okay. they got back to me and said they loved it. It sounded like a very innovative and wonderful idea. And so um, I never expected that they would actually say yes and that I would be writing a book, but it happened. And um, here we are, and now I've got, you know, a published book, and I'm actually working on a second version right now, which is um, pretty exciting, so that I'll have additional activities for um, for more topics. Cool. So did you have your, um, the resource website first, and then kind of went from there, or did you submit for your book to be published and then created the website with the additional resources? Yeah, the website and all that stuff came after the fact. Um, you know, I, I started with writing the book and getting my ideas out there. And then from there, I started to, you know, share a little bit about the book online on, on social media and stuff. And that's when I started getting contacted by different people and um, felt that it would be helpful to develop, you know, a website and, you know, a Facebook page and Instagram and all of that so that people could mm -hmm. keep in touch with me and 
and it also provides a, a platform for me to share some ideas and um, different things that I might be doing. Um, for example, later this summer, I'm going to be doing a webinar, actually. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. A, a publisher from Singapore contacted me and asked if I could do a webinar for some of their customers. Um, so that's cool. something I'm actively putting together right now. And so, yeah, so I'm excited to be able to offer those kinds of opportunities and things as well. If people are interested in learning more about how to incorporate using Lego materials um, in their counseling work. I, I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, sometimes when people think about, well, I want to do something in private practice or I want to develop something um, that you don't have to fully leave what you're currently doing. You can do that end and what you're creating is really um, enhancing the work that you're doing and stepping outside the realm of just the school that you're working in or the students that you're serving and teaching at the graduate level. They might be learning your interventions, but now other um, kids are going to benefit and clinicians are going to benefit because now they're going to have the opportunity to use those interventions, which wouldn't have happened if you didn't put yourself out there and submit that proposal, which is great. Yeah, it's neat that you mentioned that because honestly, that was never expected. You know, I, I originally wrote the book as a way just to share my ideas and um, the things that I like to do personally in my role as a school counselor and things that I found to be effective. Um, I really started using Legos my first year as a as an elementary school counselor, and it was a way to connect with my students and um, help keep them engaged. And I found that you know some of the more traditional counseling type activities and you know sitting around and and having more discussions around feelings and things like that weren't always capturing their attention. You know, especially mm -hmm. when you're working with um, you know third and fourth grade boys and things like that, like they really, I found that they needed something that was more engaging and more hands-on. And um, so that's when I really started to develop more interest in play-based learning and project-based learning and finding ways to incorporate that as well as, um, you know, the arts and creativity in general. Yeah. And um, Lego materials provide such a, a rich medium for that. Um, because it's tangible and you can be creative and expressive all at the same time. Um, and it also lends itself very well to collaborative type projects where students can work mm -hmm. together in teams to develop things while they're also simultaneously developing social skills or working on a specific um, social emotional learning standard. And so it's it just, it's a very versatile and, and amazing tool that is accessible and um, provide such a unique and engaging experience for, for students and clients. And mm -hmm. so um, it really just started with that whole passion for wanting to reach my students and, and engage them. And from there it grew and grew. And um, I started to develop more of a personal interest in Legos too and, and started collecting them more and more and wanting to have new characters and new minifigures and things because it the more that you kind of add to your collection, it opens up all these possibilities for different themes. Sure. And to explore. Um, you know, if you have superhero characters, that brings in a whole different dynamic to talk about your personal strengths and challenges that you're overcoming in life. And um, there's so much rich, you know, symbolism and, and narratives that are associated with different characters. Um, and all of that can be incorporated into the you know, the whole process and um, makes it a, a much more enriching experience in different ways. Yeah, and it makes then, me think you know, of like, also other things I would say it makes yeah, me so think I, of like sand tray yeah. collections, you know, like people that do uh -huh. sand tray, they're yeah, constantly yeah. collecting more and more to enhance those metaphors. Like that's what it's it sounds like. To that in a way, yeah. You see that people who do sand tray may have you know, large shelves with all kinds of miniatures and things. Um, and I, I have tubs of all kinds of different minifigures and um, different accessories that go to characters or um, specialized Lego pieces that I might order because I want to have more of a certain thing. Um, the kids just very enjoy having, you know, like little pieces of food or mm -hmm. um, fire or 
you know, all these different things that they make. And that's one of the things that's really cool about um, Lego materials is there's so much diversity and, and so many different things that they make. And all of that can be incorporated to create a really rich creative environment for students. So, um, but having said that though, you really don't have to have access to such a wide collection to get started with it. And I, I was very thoughtful about that when I wrote the book because I wanted to make it something that was really accessible mm -hmm. um, for somebody who's just getting started. And so pretty much all of the activities in the book don't require anything beyond just having a basic set of, of Legos. So for example, if you were to walk oh, into you know, a store or Amazon or something, just getting a, a basic set of Legos, um, you know, probably if you're, if you're doing a small group or something, you know, something that's a medium to a larger size box for, you know, probably around the 30 to $50 range would be a great starting point for doing groups. And, and really with Legos too, I know that um, they kind of have a reputation of being um, a little bit pricier sometimes, but you don't have to have some of the more expensive um, specialized sets or whatever from popular movies and things. Um, just having a basic set of bricks is enough to get you started. And sure. the other thing about like is that they're so, um, you know, they, they, they're so durable. And I've had, you know, so many materials totally. that I've been using for years and years and years. And they don't really break very often. That's a very rare occurrence. Um, so they last forever, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so... That's one of the things that's really cool about it. They've been a, a great investment in that sense. And um, thinking about COVID-19 and, and where we're at currently, um, it's also nice that you can wash them and sanitize them. Totally. So that you can, do. You can um, easily wash them and sanitize them and put them in a rotation if needed so that students can still use them without, you know, so much fear of germs and that kind of thing. So that's another benefit of it that I really like too. And then as well, thinking about where we're at with all of the distance um, learning and, and um, telehealth and, and things like that, that um, people are doing in the counseling profession. It's um, also something that can be done online through, you know, virtual meetings with, with clients or students. As long as the other person has access to Lego materials, you can very easily um, give them a prompt online and 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 then build a structure and, and discuss it and talk about it um, mm -hmm. even you know over over the internet so um, so there's a lot of uh, possibilities with it which is pretty cool Florida Art Therapy Services is a proud sponsor of the TCP podcast. They offer art therapy for individuals and groups, as well as qualified supervision services and high quality experiential driven continuing education for art therapists, mental health counselors, and clinical social workers. Visit www.floridaarttherapyservices.com for more information. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the Creative Psychotherapist podcast, we have copper, silver, and gold options. So visit www.creativeclinicianscorner.com forward slash podcast for more information. And I think those are toys that um, for the most part, most kids have something like that. If they don't exactly have Lego building materials, they have some other type of um, brick structure building materials that um, they would have access to in their home, like toy collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that you could easily use many of the activities and do it with more basic blocks or things like that. But um, obviously using Lego materials provides you with um, a little bit more in terms of possibilities and things that you can create and build rather than just stacking with basic blocks. But mm -hmm. um, but you could certainly adapt and, and utilize many of the activities with a more basic set of materials. So, mm -hmm. so even if the kids do not have access to any Lego bricks. But as you said, many families do have, you know, a random box somewhere in their house with a little set of Lego bricks. And as long as they have access to something, um, you can create 
you know, so many different things with such a small number of bricks that really the possibilities are endless. So, yeah. Can you give an example of um, like a particular intervention that you might use with a small group um, working on kind of the social emotional um, developmental skills using the Lego materials? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, depending on what your topic is. So like in the, in the, the book, there's a variety of topics such as like self-esteem or emotion management. Um, so one example might be if you're working with a group, they could create like a robot um, that represents their feelings and they could just build that robot. But you may even have a, a conversation beforehand about different colors representing different emotions and doing that as kind of a self-portrait activity mm. where they can create you know, their robot or their, it doesn't have to be a robot, that, that just sounded fun, but you know, it could be a building that represents you, it could be a rainbow. Um, there's a lot of you know, different objects or um, things that you could choose. And that could be tied in with the student's interest as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you have a student that's really into a particular um, TV show or cartoon or something, or Pokemon characters or something like that, you know, you could use that as a prompt and um, have them create that, but do it in a way where the, the colors that they're selecting are representative of different feelings that they may be having. And then mm -hmm. from there, after you've created that structure, you've given them space to process their thoughts and their feelings. And then when they're done with that, then you have that opportunity to really talk about that or even during the process too just saying like hey i noticed that you're using a lot of red bricks um, mm -hmm. you know and, and have a little conversation about that um, so there's a lot of possibility there and i like it too because it gives space for um, for kids in particular to be able to process things and, and reflect mm -hmm. and not feel like they have to immediately verbalize how they're feeling or what they're thinking and um it gives them some space to kind of work through that and reflect on it, which I think is really important. So yeah. um, I find that to be, you know, especially true with a lot of the boys that I work with, um, that they need a little bit more space, especially when we're talking about feelings and things like that. Um, sometimes they need a little bit more space to work through that and, and think about, you know, what they want to express and um, how to verbalize it. So um yeah, so that, that would be one example. But then again, it depends on what skills you're targeting and what you're really trying to work on with the students. Um, mm -hmm. Another activity could be if you're taking more of like a narrative approach, um, you could do like a mapping the influence of a problem type of activity where the students are creating, maybe let's say they're having issues at recess, you could have, have the students build a playground and then use different characters and things to talk about that situation and discuss, you know, where did this problem first happen and, um, you know, which part of the playground does it usually happen at and um, what strategies are you using to help solve that issue and, and really start to look at it that way. Um, so there's, there's different ways that you can approach it. And mm -hmm. um, I like that it's flexible enough that depending on, you know, what your theoretical orientation is, whether you have a more Adlerian approach or more solution focused approach or narrative, um, it's really adaptable to any, um, you know, theoretical constructs in a lot of ways, I think. So, so I really like that aspect of it. And I think that's one of the reasons it's been so well received by school counselors mm -hmm. and, you know, um, counselors in different settings as well and social workers and other people yeah. that work with mental health because it's just such a flexible and versatile approach to working with um, with your clients or your students. So, absolutely, I find that um, I I have a few few tubs and then a variety of different characters, and I find that um, sometimes it's like they start to build their narrative and they they they're like, can you please put this up? and um, save it for me because when I come back next time, I, I want to use it. And they just continue to like build that story and um, work on reframing and, and 
kind of shifting their experience through the play, which is a really neat uh, thing to witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that too, because it's a way to preserve kind of like where you left off last time. You know, yeah. if you're having discussions with somebody and you can, it's, it's all like preserved right there and you can come right back to that conversation. And like you said, start reframing things or um, rebuilding it, like physically rebuilding it, you know, to mm -hmm. address some of those changes or things that you're talking about with that, that client or that student. So um, it's just, it's so neat to have that physical representation that you can manipulate and work with and that it's so tangible. And I think that that's such a, um, you know, a powerful tool, especially for many children who might have, you know, more difficulties or may not have um, as developed skills in verbalizing and talking about their feelings. Um, so, so that that's something that I've I've found to be really helpful. Um, I've also gotten feedback that it's been um, a useful tool for working with students that may have like communication issues. Um, whether that's speech or students that are mm. um, that have hearing loss, I personally actually have profound hearing loss in both ears, and um, so growing up, wow. you know, communication was always a struggle and a difficulty for me. And um, so I don't know if some of that is just kind of naturally reflected in the work that I do and how I approach, you know, my role as a counselor and the activities that I develop, but. Um, being able to use Lego materials in that way provides that tangible um, means of expression, which is really, um, really interesting to look at. And I'd love to explore that more and um, see what the benefits of that may be. But, um, but I've gotten some feedback that it's been something that's helpful for um, students that may have communication disabilities or hearing loss and that type of thing as well to provide an alternative um, means of expression and being able to share their feelings and stuff so um so that's pretty neat again a lot of things that may not have been intended when i sat down to write the book to begin with and it's just been really neat to see all of these unexpected um you know positives and ways that people are utilizing it so now that is really cool when you um when you set out to write it after the publisher said, yeah, we definitely, that sounds like a great topic. We'd love for you to write it. What was your process? How did you go? Because clearly you're working full time as a school counselor. You have a family and you teach at the yeah. collegiate level. So how, like yeah, there has busy. to be some planning <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, so I did write a lot of the book over last summer. Um, so with one of the benefits of working in the schools is that, you know, we do have some planned vacation period throughout the year. And so um, not to say that I didn't spend a lot of other hours during the school year as well working on it, because I did. I would go in early and work on it before school or um, after we put the kids to bed at night, I would, you know, stay up and, and work on it for a couple hours, um, sit on the couch downstairs and um, you know, and, and type away for a little bit and work on it and revise things. And, um, and then there were several days on the weekend where I would go and work on it. Um, but most of the book I wrote over the summer, my wife is from Japan. And so we went and stayed with her family last summer. We actually um, were in the process of buying a new house. So we, we just sold our house in June. And our new house was still being built at the time. And wasn't going to be available until August. And so, um, so we had this, this window. And so, so we decided, well, let's just, we'll sell the house now and, and, and then we'll just put all of our stuff in storage and then we'll go to Japan and, and stay with her family for, for a couple months. And then, you know, the kids can, can spend time with their family there and yeah. um, learning Japanese more and, um, and then I, I had a lot more time to write. So I would uh, um, get up and go down to like the little donut store in Japan. Um, they have wonderful donuts. There's this place called Mr. Donut that is, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I absolutely love it. But I would, I would go and I had, you know, I wasn't able to bring a lot of Legos with me or anything, but I had like a little travel case of Lego materials that I, um, that I had with me. And so I would like go to, the donut store with my little case of Legos and my laptop and eat donuts and type on my paper and drink bubble tea and 
Uh, I, yum. You know, I had a few people, you know, kind of look at me wondering, it must have been so strange to see this this white man playing with Legos, eating donuts. Like, it must have been very funny looking to, you know, people that were there. But um, that's great. But yeah, whatever it took, though. And um, I would go and, and work on it. And, um, and then, of course, I had, you know, a little bit left when we came back. And, um, I was, uh, you know, working on it on the weekend and some things too. Sometimes I would go to Panera Bread or something and um, show up really early in the morning at six o'clock, get up, you know, nice and early before the rest of my family was awake and then go and write for a couple hours and, and work on it. And uh, yeah, right up actually till the time that I, my deadline was like the end of October. I needed to get it completely finished so that um, the publisher would have enough time to do all of their revisions and um, mm -hmm. get it ready for the the cat. They, they release their catalog in January every year, so um, so they needed it done by the end of October to make sure that we could get it all ready. But um, at that time, um, I was just getting close to the end of finishing it, and I got really really sick. Actually, um, it was like the sickest that I've ever been, and I ended up. Um, being hospitalized for a few days oh because my gosh. It was, they never did like figure out exactly what it was it was some kind of like really horrible stomach flu or something but it was awful and um you know it was bad enough that they they admitted me to the hospital yeah. for a few days um but my my loving wife brought my my laptop to the hospital and um you know and here's your bag and here's your stuff um, I don't think she brought my Legos to the hospital. That would have been kind of funny, though. But um, but she brought me my laptop so I could finish. Um, she knew how important it was. And um, so I was able to finish up all the revisions and all of that and um, and then email that back to the publisher from my hospital bed. So that's actually where I I finished the book was sitting in, oh my, in my hospital bed, hooked up to an IV, and, and that's where I finished it. Um, so it was quite a quite a journey. So this book has been all over the place, and um, but I, I'm so proud of of what we've accomplished. And I have to say that the publisher was so supportive and so amazing throughout the whole process. And um, yeah, they've just been phenomenal to work with. And I'm excited that I'll be um, working with them again. I am currently working with them again on the second book. It'll be um, Brook Face Counseling, the second version. So. Um, yeah, so it's just been really wonderful to have such a supportive and an awesome publisher to work with. So that's great. What do you think that they have done um, that really kind of stood out to you that helped you with the process? Because clearly this is like a labor of love and it's a lot of investment of your heart and soul into um, creating the book. Yeah, I think that, I think you kind of said it right there. Um, but I think they really recognize that and um, they really encourage that, you know, that this is kind of, you know, my baby and my, my work. And um, they really wanted me to have the freedom to be able to um, create the book the way that I wanted it to be and to express myself the way that I wanted to. And um, they didn't try to change it or um, make it different the way that they wanted it to be or anything like that. They were very encouraging and um, respected, you know, my work and um, were just very encouraging throughout the whole process and helped me to really find my voice and um, be able to put that into into the book. And um, so that, that was really awesome that they were just so supportive in that way. That's great. Really. So from the time that they said yes, and you know, you sign your contract, how long did you have to create before your deadline? Yeah, well, I think, so I originally submitted my proposal, I think in about February or early March maybe of last year. And then, as I mentioned before, we, we wanted to try to get it completely done by about the end of October. Um, I think it ended up being early November when we actually had all the revisions done and all that. So, um, so all, all in all, it was less than a year. But oh. at the same time, though, this is something that I've been 
working on and developing for the last several years. Um, I just never submitted a proposal to actually um, put all my ideas into a book though. Mm -hmm. so really it's been years in the making um, and, and you know, doing these activities and stuff with students, you know, many, many, many times. Um, I run a lot of different, um, you know, Lego themed groups and things like that throughout the year. And um, I've been really working at that and developing that and looking at that for the last several years in my role as a school counselor. So, um, so it's really been many years in the making, but the actual process of writing mm -hmm. the book and getting it all published um, was under a year. That's pretty incredible um, when you think about it, because it's a huge task uh, to write a whole book. I've not written a whole book. I've just contributed chapters to edited text. And I felt like the ch just doing a chapter was an intensive e experience. So being responsible uh, for the whole book. <laughs> intensive is a great word to describe it. Um, it ended up being, you know, a much more intensive experience than what I could have imagined. And um, it is very challenging to, to actually write a book and um, put all that together. And um, it definitely challenged me to grow in many, many ways. Um, but again, the publisher was amazing. Um, Bob and Susan Bowman, um, they, they have been so incredibly supportive and helpful and um, offered wonderful feedback and suggestions. And um, I, I couldn't have done it without them. They were absolutely phenomenal and so supportive. So that's um, awesome. I'm excited that I, that I have the opportunity to work on a second book with mm -hmm. them. So um, the first book has been very popular and um, there's a lot of interest in it. And so we're actively working on the second one right now because um, there, there's That's a new really exciting. the value of it. And um, the, the second book is going to focus on self-regulation and executive functioning skills, um, supporting kids that have you know, difficulties with paying attention and staying organized and personal space and all of those kinds of issues. That's great, um, so needed. Great ways to utilize Lego materials to help support that. And um, also looking at some more kind of cognitive behavioral therapy based mm -hmm. strategies and working on reframing negative thoughts and things like that. So, um, so all of that is currently under development right now. And very um, cool to be working on that a lot this summer and, and getting that all put together. So, um, it's another summer of book put together, but. Um, still need to don't need to get some work done on that in writing it. So I don't have a, a donut place to go to right now because everything's closed. So I'm trying to figure out how to do all that from home right now with my little ones and um, being home. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure you'll figure it out and kind of yeah, carve out I'm, that time. Yeah, it's going well, and um, I'm just excited that. I'm going to have some time now over the summer to to really focus on that and get that completed. So it's been a pretty busy school year with everything that we've had going oh on gosh, across yeah. the nation. And, and, and again, working from home is a, a very different experience. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to having some more time over the summer where I'll be able to really dedicate myself to completing the second book. That's exciting. For listeners who might also be in a similar situation where, you know, they've been, they've been really mastering their skills as a therapist and kind of creating a unique perspective and approach or, or technique. And they too are thinking, you know, I'd really like to create a book out of this. What, what kind of a, what what would be some words of advice that you might share in terms of how to go about creating a proposal when you submit it to a publishing company? Yeah, um, so as far as submitting a proposal, I didn't really submit like anything super fancy. It was more like an email to Bob. And, okay. Um, <laughs> I did attach an outline um, that that went over either the the topics that I'm considering and what the chapters might look like. Um, 
I mean, I think that from that initial point to where the book ended up in its finished form, we made quite a few adjustments to it. But um, but I did want to attach something for them to kind of visualize where I was going with it and what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, um, at one point they did ask for like some more sample lesson plans or materials so that they could get sure. a better vision of what what I was hoping for and what I was looking for. Um, but they loved the idea and were very receptive to it. So um, when I teach my um, counseling courses at the university, I'm very big on um, really trying to encourage people to find their identity as a school counselor or as a counseling professional mm-hmm. and to really embrace you know, who they are and think about what they can bring um, to their role and what you know unique skills or interests they may have and how do I integrate that with what I'm doing to create a really authentic um, experience and, and relationship building with my with my students or clients? So if you're somebody who's really into um, music, for example, like are there mm-hmm. ways that you can bring that into your um, into your practice and do like music based um, therapy and 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 talk to the students about like you know if you were to write a song about this, what would that sound like and and help them with that maybe and, and, and help them create that and really coming mm-hmm. alongside them in that creative process. Um, you know, it, it really can be anything. Um, so no matter what interest or skills you might have or even hobbies that you have, sometimes there's ways that we can be creative about integrating that. Or if you have students or clients who are, you know are interested in a certain topic, there's ways that you can connect with that and bring that into um, the experience as well to help frame things from, you know, their perspective or to connect it to something that they really relate to. Um, you know, like if there's a popular book series or something that they're really into, there may be oh, ways yeah. to incorporating um, activities in your counseling sessions that relate to that. And that may be something that, you know, for one, really inc- increases their engagement and, and also just makes it more personable because it's something that relates to their authentic interest as a person. And so. um, Mm -hmm. It's their language, their language, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that that is for them, whether that's music or like you were saying, a book, characters Mm -hmm. in a book, um, so many creative ways. You know, go for your passion. If, If you're really passionate about something, like I was very passionate about using the Lego materials and I was seeing the great benefits of it. And you know, there may have been some people who thought that was kind of silly and you're just playing with Legos and that's not real counseling. But I, you know, I just made a choice not to listen to that because I believed in what I was doing and and I felt that there was a lot of potential with that and I continued to develop that. And, um, And I'm very proud of what I've accomplished with it. And I feel like it really made such a tremendous difference for so many of the the kids that I've worked with. And often when I, you know, hear messages from parents or from students when they're older, they always talk about like, oh, I remember when we used to go to your office and do all these Lego activities. And, you know, that was so cool. That was like my favorite thing ever. And, you know, oh, are you the Lego guy? My kids talk about you all the time. Right. so I know that I'm making a difference and it really comes down to the relationship building and connecting mm-hmm. with other people. And that's really what it's all about. It's that shared experience of building together and, and doing something that's fun and memorable and um, building that authentic relationship. And yeah. I think that's where some of the, the greatest counseling takes place is when we have that, you know, environment built where we've, you know, really established a strong supportive relationship with the student or the client and um, you know, for them to really express how they're feeling and to feel supported and to really come alongside them in that process. I think personally for me, you know, I have a very Adlerian type approach to what I do and um, I really like to come alongside them and, and be part of that journey with them and support them in every way that I can. And um, especially working in, an elementary setting with younger students, um, you know, it, it really seems to lend itself well to being able to teach 
specific like social skills or mm -hmm. um, conflict resolution skills and things. Problem um, solving skills. Context of using. Yeah. There's so, so many different things you're learning with uh, when you're building and creating um, with the materials because not everything is going to go together the way you want it to. And then, then, oh gosh, it didn't work out. Now I'm upset and I'm frustrated. Now there's an opportunity for you to like work through that uh, frustration with them and help them learn to manage it more effectively. You get to kind of see what makes them tick through the use of the materials. Um, I One of the beautiful things about that too is with Lego materials, like you can always take it apart and rebuild it. And mm -hmm. you can do that immediately in real time and have those kinds of conversations that you're just mentioning. And you can scaffold things and you can show them and model, um, you know, take that role of um, like what Bandura would call like the more knowledgeable other and be able to, um, you know, demonstrate and model things for them and then mm -hmm. have them be able to do that on their own um, or even utilizing other people within a group context to do that and um, you know take on more leadership positions and things like that and nurture that with the students and um, there's just so many different things that you can incorporate and so many things that are just naturally embedded in that process and that context of using um, you know a play-based and project-based setting mm -hmm. um, for, for counseling and so um, especially working in a school setting, um, I really love that I can incorporate a lot of academic skills into that as well. So, for example, like one of my favorite groups, like, um, well, actually, I've done it with younger students, usually more with older students, but um, I've done it with younger students, too, is I like to do an architecture group. And mm -hmm. I'll have the kids work on a big project where they have to collaboratively um, decide, like, what they're going to create. Um, they've done things like expansions to like um, theme parks and things like that oh and, cool and they we would like map on google maps and we would put like a big giant piece of poster board up on the the pro board and trace out our like floor plan and and they it, it's a big collaborative effort with a lot of shared decision making and naturally there's going to be disagreements and things like that that come up and they have to work on their problem solving skills and um, so it's just a great way to work on collaboration, but at the same time, um, you can also have them present it, like develop a presentation around it to present to potential stakeholders or um, you know, different clients or whatever that might be interested in hiring their, their architecture firm or whatever. There's ways to make it fun in that way, and, um, but still requiring them to write a description of what they're doing or, um, you can you can mm -hmm. incorporate some academics that way we're doing social stories with with the lego minifigures and characters you can set them up and create the scene and take pictures and you can use um, software on the computer to create a comic book or even just printing the pictures and just drawing the boxes and then writing in you know what's happening in that scene we're talking about you know expected and unexpected behaviors in different situations <laughs> Um, but using the characters to help, um, you know, create that that scene. But you can incorporate a lot of different skills into it. So I, 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 I just it. really love that, and I think it's particularly effective in in a school setting where sometimes you're really trying to um, kind of balance being able to pull kids from class sometimes, oh, where sure. you know they're they're might during their, their math block or something like that, and teachers don't always want to you know right have but students if you can, out of the classroom for that but if they know that you're going to be incorporating some academic stuff into it as well like you know, sometimes that helps increase a little bit of buy-in so um, absolutely i do like that and then overall too as a school counselor we're often you know our our lens is on thinking about college and career and life readiness and so being able to have a really um interdisciplinary approach to to counseling where we incorporate um you know academic skills with other topics is is really neat and i think it creates a really um enriching experience where they can develop social emotional skills while at the same time building some of those more like 21st century skills that they're going to need for the future for college and career readiness so being able to right. integrate all that stuff together with social emotional mm -hmm. learning and, and 
and building their confidence and building their self-esteem, building that sense of self-efficacy. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. And then it, and it's fun. No, and it's very so much fun. fun to be able to work with Legos and have those, those happy memories and experiences. And, you know, and it's not like something where there's any like stigma, like I have to go to my counseling group because I need help with anger management. Right. Like that, and kids are reluctant to come or embarrassed or whatever. They don't want to be pulled out of class to go. And they think kids are going to make fun of them or talk about them or something. You know, it's, I have kids that are constantly asking if they can join and can I be part of that? And how do I get my mom to sign me up for that? And um, so it's really such an awesome approach. And I think it's one of the ways that um, I've really been able to impact my students in such a positive way. And um, mm. yeah, I absolutely love it. In hearing you say that, it also makes me think of how, you know, by integrating these creative and imaginative, you know, play-based approaches, we're really helping to break down stigma about accessing help and accessing services when the clients are saying like, hey, I, I want to be part of that too. Um, that, that kids that aren't receiving your services are saying that they're not they're not even seeing that this is, you know, people are going there because they need help with something. They're seeing like, hey, like they're having fun. They're doing really cool things. And you're also, you know, providing a really valuable, helpful service because they're learning all kinds of skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in, in, in ways it, it helps to normalize conversations around social emotional things. And, you know, it's like, I want to make an emotion robot too and, yeah. and talk about my feelings and like, you know, it helps to create a safe space where it's okay to talk about those things and we should talk about those things and we can do it in a, in a fun and meaningful way um, without, you know, without the stigma, without any of that kind of stuff. And so it makes it something that we can enjoy doing and, and make it a safe thing for kids to be able to express and, and talk about things. And so, yeah, I just feel like it's such a, a powerful tool that can be um, really helpful for, for many, many students. And um, I've had very, very few kids that have ever not wanted to participate in it. Um, sure. Occasionally, there might be a couple of kids who say that they don't like it or whatever. Or, um, but that's okay, too. Um, yeah. It's all about reaching kids and, you know, meaningful for them personally. And I've found that there are very, very few kids who um, are going to turn down an opportunity to engage in something that's play-based, where they get to be creative. And, um, you know, right. it, it's one of the cool things about it is that LEGO materials are just so universally um, appealing to to all everybody kids, mm -hmm. um, regardless of you know yeah regardless of gender or ableism or um it's, it's just such an accessible and, and fun way to to work with students in a variety of ways and so um i i would agree with you i think it's um uh, their necessity I, I i have them in my office for that reason because they are great to work with and you can, they're so versatile and you can do so much with them. If people wanted to find your book, Brick-Based Counseling, where's the best place to find it? So directly from the publisher, Youth Light would be the, the first place to go. Um, I believe it is also on Amazon and some other um, resources that may be out there for counseling books and products and things like that okay um, but it is published by youthlight so that would be the initial place to look for it all right i'll put that in the show notes and if people wanted to connect with you where can they find you and learn more about what you're doing Yeah, so like you mentioned before, I do have a website, um, so they can go to brickcounselor.com if they want to connect with me there. There's also a link to the book on the Brick Counselor website. Um, and then I'm also on social media, Facebook and Instagram. So if you do a search for Brick Counselor, you should be able to find me pretty easily. So um, 
Yeah, and then also as part of the uh, the podcast today too, I wanted to give away a copy of my book to your listeners. So um, if you wanted to come and follow me on, on social media, on Facebook, um, I'll probably be organizing a giveaway at some point shortly after we release the podcast. Excellent. So um, I will definitely put the link to your Facebook account in the show notes. And um, so I know you said it's Brick Counselor on Facebook. Thank you so much for doing that, Derek. Yeah, That's I really exciting. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I really yeah, enjoyed- Thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. I really enjoyed um, listening to you uh, share about um, your passion for helping kids by having fun and being creative and helping them to use their imagination. So thanks for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a very important part of, you know, the work that we do is is remembering, um, you know, Mr. Rogers has that quote about, you know, that play really is the language of childhood. And, Absolutely. Um, we really need to to keep that in mind as we connect with our with our students and our clients and, you know. I, I've gotten feedback too that the activities are also great for adults too. Um, you know, even can adults can that. use Lego bricks as well and, and use that as a medium for artistic and creative expression and thinking about how they really feel and um, processing things and family dynamics or whatever topic you're looking at. Um, mm-hmm. You can do that with Lego materials, whether it's you know, creating you know, mom's house and dad's house and, and talking about, you know, processing a divorce or whatever the situation is. There's so many different ways that you can use the Lego material to help facilitate those conversations and to um, work through those, those, you know, often difficult feelings and thoughts that you might be dealing with. And it just provides such a, a wonderful, accessible and, and safe way to do that. So... Yeah. Regardless of how old you are. That's why they put on the Lego boxes, like, you know, for ages, you know, three to 99 or whatever they put, like, you know, really you're never too old. Everyone can, we all need a little bit of play in our lives. So I, I absolutely agree. I think that's one of the, um, one of the most amazing things about experiential based therapies, no matter, you know, what type of therapy you're doing, if whether it's play-based or art or music or drama, um, when we integrate those creative aspects, um, it just provides such a rich experience and opportunity to really deepen people's awareness and understanding of their life and what's happening in it. So. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.